your friends behind Cause your friends don't dance And if they don't dance Well, they're no friends of mine I said, we can go where we want to Place where they will never find And we can act like we come from out of this world Leave the real one far behind The night is young and so am I And we can dress real neat From our hats to our feet And surprise them with a victory cry I said, we can act if we want to If we don't, nobody will And you can act real rude And totally removed And I can act like an imbecile said, we can dance, we can dance Everything's under control We can dance, we can dance Doing it wall to wall We can dance Everybody look at your hands We can dance, we can dance Everybody's taking a chance Who's to save the dance? Who has to save the dance? Who has to save the dance? Who has to save the dance? Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest episode of I Know Joe, your home for all things combat sports and the place where every armchair quarterback can feel like Ben Bronco. The views and opinions presented on the I Know Joe channel belong solely to the person expressing them, no one else. If we say it, that means we meant it. That being said, this show does contain adult themes, adult content, and general shit that you shouldn't be letting your kids intake. Be advised, viewer discretion is recommended. Proceed at your own risk. You've been warned. If it's Thursday, it's I'm No Joe. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of appropriate ages, to the latest episode of the I'm No Joe podcast, the show where every armchair quarterback can feel like Eddie Bravo. Today, as like most days, I have got a glorious panel full of fellas here to break down the shit talking and shenanigan we have got coming for you around this weekend's upcoming UFC pay-per-view 265. But before we get into that, before we get into the shit talking and the shenanigans and all of the fun and breakdowns, first and foremost, it has been a minute since we have seen this fresh-faced young fella back in action once again, trying to scratch that L from his record. Welcome back, RJ. How you doing, buddy? Doing pretty good, man. Good to be back. Fucking uh, had a... A lot of couple of long weeks and long days at fucking work and a lot of bullshit keeping me keeping me from being here. But looks like we got that all sorted out with uh, with everything going forward. So it's gonna be back. Thank you for having me, glad, like always. Glad to have you back, brother. Absolutely. 
And then, as is the case more often than not, across the octagon from myself, my Wednesday night homeboy, my combat shit talking compatriot, the one and only Golfy Vapes himself. How you doing, brother? I'm here, ready for well, a card this weekend. I won't say it's a great card, but it's a card. You didn't hear me give it a lot of fanfare. <laughs> that, that would probably be about the extent of my fanfare right there. And unfortunately, I can't even bank on Bellator this weekend because they don't have a card this weekend. Right. We literally just have only the UFC. And uh, yeah, uh, needless to say, we're not giving a lot of fanfare for very good reason. But uh, we'll, we'll get into that uh, in just a little bit here. Give me just a moment. Uh, I lost the fucking page from last week's card so we can do our recap give me just a moment here <laughs> doing it live Fucking folks. rookies that's how, that's how this works <laughs> okay so yes obviously before we get into the uh the news and the recent events and this weekend's breakdown i do want to take just a little bit of time here to go over some of the very interesting things that happened last weekend over on the UFC and a uh, little bit on the Bellator as well. Um, we'll address the Bellator first here because it's the, the quicker of the two. Um, Bellator's prelims last week were fucking legitimately spectacular. Uh, not many folks will know most of the names that were on that card, but that prelim card is free and available forever on Bellator's YouTube page right now. So you can go put that on next time you need something to kill two hours out of your afternoon and you will legitimately be entertained. They were great fucking prelim fights. They weren't a lot of big name factors, but they were great fight value fights. Um, getting down to the brass tacks of last weekend's Bellator card though, um, that co-main event fucking Mads is a beast. I will give him fucking props. He had takedown after fucking takedown after takedown, but he just could not keep Emmanuel Sanchez on the ground. And every time they got up on the feet, Emmanuel was piecing him the fuck up. Um, it was a good fight, absolutely, but I do not see how Mads won that shit. Uh, Sanchez clearly outstruck the ever-living fuck out of him for that whole fucking match, but that's one that I could see them running back in the future again. It wasn't for the title. It was just a, a bigger fight. So that I could see potentially being run back. Very fucking entertaining match. Absolutely. Um, then you got to that fucking main event. And I don't know if Pitbull didn't have his Snickers before he walked out or what the fuck happened. But the Patricio Pitbull that walked into that octagon last weekend was not the same dude that was at the press conference. He was not the same dude we have seen in the cage dozens of other times. And AJ McKee was able to yoke him up and get him to fucking tap. Um, Props to AJ for getting that choke in exactly where he needed to and getting himself the belt. Um, I do not in any way, shape, or form agree that the rematch between the two of them should be at 155 for Pitbull's other belt. Um, he did not earn himself a shot at a 55 belt. He just got that 45 belt. Uh, Patricio also said, no, no, we lost at 45. We'll run it back at 45. If he wants a shot at my 55 belt, he needs to start at the bottom of the ranks at 55 and work his way up through there as well which I never thought I would say, but I wholeheartedly agree with the Pitbull brothers there. That might've been one of the most logical things I have ever heard come out of his fucking mouth. Um, 
that fight was at 145 pounds as a result of a Grand Prix tournament. There's no fucking reason whatsoever that should automatically give fucking AJ a shot at the 155 belt. You want that? Get in fucking line like everybody else because I guarantee you there are other dudes over in Bellator who would love to be able to compete in 45 and 55 at the same time and just get title shots like that, and they ain't. So pump your fucking brakes, champ. Dude, you can't air quote him on champ. He chucked that motherfucker out, dude. That's it. As much as I don't like the guy, you can't I can't, can't fucking air quote him, man. He's the legitimate champ. He choked him out, period. He, no, he got the belt. That's what I said. I'll give credit where credit is due. But you can't air quote him when you say got champ, the belt. You got to give the right respect, even though he is a cocksucker. I'll stop giving him air quotes as champ when uh, Aljamain Sterling solidifies himself as champ. Until then, they both catch air quotes, in my opinion. I don't know. We have a legitimate choke out versus a, I bitched out because of a legal knee. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, they're just both bitches, in my opinion. So, champ. We have a legitimate champ and a bitch. I'll call it. I'm going to play devil's advocate there on you know, all day fucking long. I don't like the guy either, but you got to give his credit where credit is due. And you got to remove the air quotes from the champ because he is the champ, dude. Cocksucker or not. I, I won't in, I won't enforce anyone else being required to air quota. How's that? <laughs> well, then I'm going to fight you two with the nail on it. And then I'm going to have to do follow-up questions like, are you now a fucking Sox fan or a Mets fan? This kid. Neither. I'm not watching baseball anymore. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> or you're still a Cubs fan. Uh, no, we, we don't have a team anymore. <laughs> I'm on a baseball hiatus at the moment. <laughs> I couldn't help it. I'm an asshole. Sorry. That's all right. Hey, you're not nearly as much of an asshole as the front office who made a decision to sell off the entire fucking core of a World Series winning team. But, you know, hey, that's another rant for another channel. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. Unfortunately, we can't get into a cage with any of those motherfuckers. Right. Yeah, sadly. God damn it. <laughs> oh, but. Um, bringing it back over for a quick little run back on last week's UFC card. Um, Philip Rowe. Just absolute beautiful fucking work. I don't understand why after watching both of these fucking contender series brothers show up and get their asses handed to them, they tried to push him again so hard opening the car last weekend, but hats off to Philip Rowe for ending that fucking hype while they were actively talking about that fucking dude, just shutting shit down with a beautiful fucking knockout as the commentators were literally undo singing that fucking can's phrases. I thought that could not have been timed any more fucking perfect and i was so fucking happy to see that it's so nice um, to see the fucking soup cans actually getting thrown in the fucking recycling bin where they uh, belong yeah while the commentators were just giving them the old fucking one two in the mouth oh my you know, god it was gross it's the best part of that is because for those that are casual fans that don't actually watch like the contender cities and things like that or they don't understand that the UFC as a whole, I swear to God, they have this in their playbook. I haven't seen it, but I'm positive. Dana White goes, all right, when this fighter fights that's coming off the contender series, pump that motherfucker up. We're trying to make stars here. Even though he's a shit fighter, 
I chose him to come on. I offered him a contract, so I need to look good. So we have to make him a star. Just saying, shit don't work that way, Dana. When you have a shit fighter, a shit fighter is a shit fighter. Doesn't matter. Look, you can polish a turd, and it's still a fucking turd. That's it. So to watch it get flushed, all the better. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, I mean, Um, my 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 only problem, my only problem lately is contender series fighters whenever they fight in the contender series they're fighting against relative nobodies with very limited toolbox very limited fight iq and just not a lot of experience they're still wet as fuck behind the ears whenever you put them against an up-and-comer in the ufc somebody's got somebody that has a little bit of time in that knows what the, that, that knows what they're doing that has a solid actual team behind them that has built them up to be a UFC fighter you're fighting on two totally different levels there's levels of the game T- contender series needs to stay fighting contender series people until they can get an actual fucking toolbox other than that contender series needs to fucking fuck off and not be a thing you can fall in line on tough just like you have for the last, I don't know how many fucking years. Right. Contender um, series is great. It's great. Good. It's 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 fucking great. But there's there's levels to the game. Contender series kids, whenever they fight other people that are relative trash, they look great because they have one or two skills that other people just don't. No, that's always been my my number one complaint is that. If you want to have a contender series, cool. Have a contender series. Let them win on the contender series. Get you a spot in the tough house. Because when you win in the tough house, you spent six weeks maintaining fight weight, fight weight rather. <clears throat> excuse me. While you're living with all the dudes you're going to have to potentially fight, regardless of the outcome, win or lose, you're in that situation. It's not just about being a fighter. It's about being able to handle the pressure of the situation and be a fighter and shine through to win. So if you want to keep the contender series, keep the contender series, but let that win get you a spot in the tough house. Cause when you win in the tough house, you deserve to be in the UFC, which is why we see other people from ultimate fighters who don't win, but put on great performances in the tough house, still get contracts and then do generally fairly well in the UFC versus the recent flood of contender series guys who just beat other contender series guys, caliber fighters and then get praised like they just won the ultimate fighter. And then as soon as they get thrown into the deep end against real, even average class UFC fighters, they can't fucking keep their head above water. Exactly. I mean, I wouldn't be, I I wouldn't be mad at them taking Dan and taking a page out of the WWE playbook and doing, I know WWE does the, does their NXT roster thing. That's its whole own entity inside. The, the world of professional wrestling i wouldn't be mad if they did that and did like hey you have three months you're you're only competing in a contender series you have three months you're going through once a week you have a fight just breaking it down to where you have 10 people left and then you're doing like a semi-finals final series and the person that wins on that weight class gets a contract i wouldn't be mad at that because then you're you're seeing who overall has the skill set to right, bring to something to the table? For, yeah, I, I, I think that would be absolutely okay too. I think, I think 
part of my biggest problem is that you get guys who get a shot on a contender series because their coach knows somebody or because they know somebody who was on the contender series. And then they go on the contender series and they beat a fucking soup can and they get a UFC contract. And in the meanwhile, you get dudes who've been in the LFA who have been in the CFFC or the XXMA or any of the other dozen feeder organizations where you've got guys who are literally champions and are grinding for the sole purpose of getting a shot at getting noticed by the UFC and they're getting passed up because some fucking soup can is also getting coached by a dude who's a celebrity in the UFC and he put the word out and got back to Dana and now dipshit McGee's getting a fucking tryout and he's never beat anybody on the regional circuit we're talking about, let alone in a pro situation. Like why have a feeder organization if you ignore it for soup cans that you're going to throw through a fucking contender series? seems a little counterintuitive to me. What do I know? I'm just an armchair quarterback though. But uh, bringing back to the UFC card for this last weekend, uh, I have to say I am a little bit extra confused here because we had Danny Chavez and Kaya Kamaka go to a fucking draw, legitimate banger of a goddamn fight. If you want to go back and fucking watch, that's a great one to fucking watch. Go to a draw. Agreedly so, I would say. It was damn fucking close. And then we open the main card with Barbarina versus Wit, which goes to majority decision for Wit somehow, which no one really seems to understand either. But then the majority decision mediocre fight of Barbarina versus Wit, spoiler alert, gets fight of the night instead of the only fight on the entire card that actually went to a draw. It was so good no one could tell who won. How does that make fucking sense? There was a decision in this fight. You could clearly tell who won, according to these judges, anyway. Uh, we had a judge's agreement of a fucking draw on the Kamaka versus Chavez fight. I would think that should have been fight of the night. In my opinion, much better of a fight. But this is also why I'm not a sanctioned judge from Nevada State Athletic Commission, apparently. Um, I will say, though, um, RJ and I were losing are fucking shit, and I cannot wait to see this happen again. Milk Dad, Baghdad, Milky Baghdad, Sharky Man. That's what it was. Yes. Milky Baghdad, Mil- Sharky Milky Man. Baghdad, Sharky Man. <laughs> Holy fucking shit. You want to talk about a young man making his fucking debut. Uh, Melsic Baghdad Sarian is, is his actual name, but we were also a couple of uh, fizzy pops deep. We had been cracking into the cold snacks, and uh, yeah, a good time was had. Uh, Milky Baghdad Sharky Man was putting on a fucking show. Colin Anglin was just trying everything he fucking could to get something working. And Melsic just shut down everything he fucking threw at him all the way through until that beautiful fucking shot, that slick ass fucking shot. Thick boy Sharky Man himself just ended the goddamn show. Holy shit. Talk about a fucking debut to get people's attention. And his, he, he was so, so smooth, so elusive. His, his movement was so fucking good. Like, like young, like super young, just getting into MMA style, like fucking Anderson Silva, just super fluid, super fucking smooth. And his, his jabs were so 
Dude, his left, and his left jab dangerous. was a fucking laser beam. It was a laser beam, dude. He couldn't miss with the left jab. And it was literally, what, five minutes after we were just talking about how left jab seemed to have been forgotten by half the people on the fucking card. And then here comes Milky. And he just Baghdad Sharky Man, the ever-living fuck out of Anglin's nose, man. You could see the whole side of dude's face and his nose where that left jab was just consistently fucking cracking through was just puffed all up after that fight was over. Just absolute fucking beautiful performance by a debut fighter, man. I cannot wait to see what that young man does next. And then you get to the point where you almost got to feel bad for Nicholas Stoltz. I mean... He was on the card. He was off the card. He was on the card. He was off the card. He was off the card. Then they took Jared Gooden and put him back on the card again. And then Jared Gooden just comes out and fucking flatlines him, just sends him to the fucking nether realm with that shot that just, you could see, turn the fucking lights clean off. Um, props to Jared Gooden. That motherfucker is scary strong. He's like a little welterweight in Ghana, man. That motherfucker hits people and you see it affect them. Um, but no, poor Nicholas Stoltz. He was like, he, he thought he was off the card after the, the Backstreet Boys incident. And then they got him back for good, which he thought should have been a layup fight and was not in any stretch of the imagination, a layup fight at all. And he found that out the hard way. Cause it, you could kind of tell when he walked out, he kind of had that like little too hype, little too bouncy appearance about him. Like, Oh, this is going to be easy. And then as soon as Gooden touched him the first time, he was like, Oh no. Oh oh, I've made a terrible mistake. And by then it was it was far too late. A minute and eight seconds is all it fucking took. And Jared sent him to fucking La La Land. Also, do you, I have to give a, 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 a little bit of love to fucking Jared. His, 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 his last two fights were both losses on his record. And he came in talking about, you know, you know I know what I'm doing wrong. Everybody on my team over at Kelly Davis, we know what we need to do. We're working, we're working step by step, just problem to problem, fixing my holes in, the, in my game and trying to be a better fighter, trying to be a better competitor. Fucking hats off because not a lot of people, at least in this day, are fucking paying attention to their holes in their fucking game and how to become a better fighter overall. Fucking hats off to, to, to that man and his team for doing that shit. Yeah, absolutely. <sighs> um, that'll bring us to the co-main events. Um, I will say this. I don't care that she got the win and they called it in a minute. Cheyenne Bays is still a fucking soup camp. The difference here is that they put her up against another surprise contender series caliber soup can. And just like we were talking about a little while ago, when the soup can beat another soup can, they acted like she had just won the fucking world, you know, the world Grand Prix. Like she just won the belt. It was soup can on soup can violence. This was on the prelim originally for a fucking reason. Cheyenne Bay's lost her opening fight in the UFC. She lost her debut. There's no reason at all she should have been in the fucking co-main event spot. 
let alone against another fucking prelim caliber contender series-esque fighter. She got the win in a minute, though, and she got the fucking performance of the night bonus after she literally cried in her post-fight interview about how she's been broke her whole life to do MMA, but that's okay because she loves it. Hmm. Fucking convenient. Not that spectacular of a fight. Uh, DePaula never showed up. She was never in that fucking fight to begin with. So it wasn't really that much of a win, in my opinion. But, you know, now it's all the hype because she cried about being broke and Dana gave her that bonus money. So prepare to hear about that for the next three weeks in every MMA journalism outlet that you can fucking find. But the good news is we had one of potentially the best main events on a fight night last Saturday that the UFC has put on in 2021, in my opinion. Um, The Sean Strickland that I thought was going to show up, that I was telling people, watch out, because if he starts talking, if he gets loose in there, that Sean Strickland showed up. And not only did he show up, he set a record for UFC fight night most significant strikes landed in a single match because <laughs> we were talking about it during the fight. He's kind of like the middleweight Max Holloway. Like he's not going to hit you with a bunch of really hard shots. He's just going to keep fucking hitting you. And he's not stepping in and putting all the power he's throwing from the shoulder with his shots. So they're not a lot of power. It's just constant and they're flustering and it fucks your timing up. And sure enough, Uriah Hall, I think through three kicks in the entire fight a guy known for his kicks through three in 25 fucking minutes like sean strickland showed up and just flustered the ever-living fuck out of uriah hall and he could never get his momentum together and it showed and not only did it showed but sean strickland got the win and already has his next fight lined up which we'll talk about when we get to the new segment (laughs) props to strickland man i'm excited to see where he goes forward um Sucks a little bit for Uriah Hall because that kind of really put a fucking hard nail in the coffin of his career as far as a lot of people are concerned. I'm going to be gonna be honest, I'm not seeing a lot of high-class potential matchups left for Uriah in the UFC when a prospect like Strickland comes through and cleans your fucking clock like that. So, you know, since we're talking Strickland here, um, can we can we just go ahead and jump the gun on this? Because I'm sure you're going to cover it in the news section, but I want to jump the gun on this. <laughs> the fuck is your thoughts with dumb fuck pretty boy Luke Rockhold um, possibly getting a shot at Strickland, which he doesn't, he's not deserved of. I mean, Strickland's now ranked number eight. Yes, yes, he is. For good fucking reason. That was Uriah's number, and he earned taking Uriah's number, in my opinion. Granted, so, don't get me wrong. I want to see him trash talk the ever living shit out of Luke Rockhold. Not to mention, oh, I'm going to add this in here post fight press conference. This is going to be the fight where I wouldn't mind seeing somebody die. Yeah. No. So, uh, spoiler alert, we we're going to jump into that in the news. We'll get to it again. We'll just take that out now. Um, after Sean Strickland's win, he basically got called out by Luke Rockhold, who said that he was a nobody and a fucking loser and that Luke wouldn't mind beating the shit out of a, a worthless fighter like him. Needless to say, Sean Strickland said he jumped at the chance and then Sean Strickland put out a video on Instagram that I don't know if TJ has seen yet. 
uh, Sean Strickland literally said, and I quote, Luke, we can fight. We can not fight. I really don't care. I like getting paid for what I enjoy to do, but that's not the reason that I do things. I don't fight just for ego. So we can fight or we can not fight. But the thing is, this is the real world and you live in a proximity of me and you don't get to live within a proximity of me and talk shit about me and not see me in the real world. Cause we're going to see each other at the gym. We're going to see each other at whole foods. I'm going to see you in a parking lot. And when I see you, I'm going to walk up to you and I'm going to slap you in your fucking mouth because I'm not afraid to catch a misdemeanor charge to slap the shit out of a pretty boy like you. I could not love Sean Strickland more right now. That was the absolute most perfect fucking response. And it wasn't sent through a fucking representative. It wasn't sent through his management. Sean Strickland grabbed his fucking phone and he looked right the fuck into it. And he said it directly to Luke fucking Rockhold staring directly into that goddamn camera. And I can't fucking wait. <laughs> what I want to know is, does he catch the misdemeanor charge? Or does he get charged for manslaughter when he beats his ass in the cage? I, I think he catches manslaughter because I think Luke's fucking friends are going to keep him as far away from Sean as they possibly fucking can between now and uh, where is it? It's, they say they're going to fucking put him together. The, the only reason I even say that charge is because he's uh, November fucking press conference. Look, Strickland, I love you. And the way you talk to people is fucking great. But saying stuff like that in a press conference... Dude, that's some sketchy shit, man. Because if by off chance you hit that motherfucker just right and you permanently shut the lights off, you might come up on charges. I'm sure there's a death waiver signed in there somewhere, but because you said it in a press conference, they might find you liable. My only problem with this is Luke Rockhold is, what, mid-30s? Got a lot of road miles. Got a lot of road miles on him. Got a lot of got a lot of wear and tear. And you're at the start of his prime, very young Sean Strickland, a fucking monster versus an aged, battle tested, worn down Luke Rockhold. Because that man, he he's he in no way, shape, or form is he up there in age, but he is he has been through several wars of nutrition and just all out fucking battles that has heavily fucking ticked some time off of his professional career. Luke, that's a bad fucking choice if you ask me. I agree. I think that was a stupid fucking call out to make and you know what? We say it all the time. Be careful what you fucking wish for because sometimes in the MMA world, you get it. Case in fucking point. And can we mention this here? Think about this. That dude has a suspect fucking chin. That means we best. might get to see a one-punch knockout from Strickland, a guy who doesn't throw hard. Suspect, yeah, and Strickland absolutely has the power to flatline that motherfucker. I absolutely agree. He doesn't throw fucking haymakers. He throws shit straight down the pipe so that way it lands. And it's not like Luke is known for his head movement. No. Not to mention, let's, let's see... He went up to, from middleweight. He went to light heavyweight, got knocked the fuck out by the current champ, and then just disappeared off the fucking map for how many years? Yeah, Ronda Rousey for two years. He has not been seen since November of 19. 
Yeah, so I'm just saying. And now you're going to all of a sudden let me go back to middleweight where I couldn't fucking hang anyways. Right, and talk shit about the prospects who are coming up killing fucking guys that are already ranked above you. Yeah. I mean, I so, mean, do do what you got to do to fucking stay relevant. But Right, dude, that's what I said. I was like, I get fights, it. man. Yeah, I, I get it that fights. you want to stay in the spotlight, but oof, old strategy cut. Let's see how it plays out. Yep, exactly. <laughs> oh, but uh, ironically enough, uh, somehow Nevada State Athletic Commission let all the fucking medical suspensions be actually normal. Nobody had anything crazy. The only few people that had serious injuries did have uh, have to be cleared by doctors for their specific crazy injuries that they all had. But everybody else basically got six weeks or four weeks, depending on how long their fights were uh, actually pretty decent week of medical suspension. So I fully anticipate uh, two weeks from now when we're talking about next week's uh, Vegas fights that their suspensions are going to be fucking stupid again. Uh, that being said, we do have some uh, interesting uh, news and recent events to talk about since the last time we spoke with you folks. Um, the first one, despite losing on the cards to TJ Dillashaw, uh, two weeks ago, Corey Sanhagen was a winner in most of our eyes to begin with, but made himself an even bigger winner this week when uh, he and his girlfriend were out hiking in Montana and he proposed and she said yes. Uh, it was actually a very cool shot. He had his buddy get the whole thing fucking taken. It's up on Instagram. Very cool. Props to him. Congrats, Corey Sanhagen. Uh, if the judges weren't going to see it your way, at least she did. <laughs> Um, another interesting result from uh, last weekend's card. Um, one of the, I believe it was seven at last count fights that were supposed to go down last weekend and didn't for whatever reason. Uh, one of the bigger ones was former UFC strawweight champion, uh, Nico Montano, whose fight was pulled because she missed the bantam weight limit by seven and a half pounds. Upon doing so, Dana White held a press conference and said, uh, I don't think this is the sport for her. And the UFC promptly released her from her contract. She is no longer a part of the organization. Um, I genuinely don't understand how she got kept this long, considering she missed weight four fucking times out of, I believe, six fights. Um, that That's a decision that should have been made a long fucking time ago. But we move on. Um, we got an announcement uh, Monday morning that up until Monday morning, the UFC still had grandiose plans of the September 4th card. Uh, the Derek, or excuse me, the Darren Till versus Derek Brunson card was going to be UFC London. Not so much. Uh, London is basically talking about getting ready to go back into potential lockdowns again. So as of Monday morning, the UFC announced officially September 4th UFC card is now no longer officially UFC London. It is back in Las Vegas. It will be an Apex card. Still Till versus Brunson, but now it is back in the Apex, no longer in London, which does kind of suck. But, you know, what you got to do? We did get confirmation yesterday, which has sent ripples through the MMA and the UFC fandom world specifically that for the first time voluntarily, 
Joe Rogan is now skipping commentating UFC 265 in favor of his comedy tour. So we have gone from a position where Joe Rogan was quite literally the voice of the UFC to a position where Joe Rogan was only going to be doing numbered pay-per-view events because he was just traveling too much and his family was missing too much of his time to now Joe Rogan is actively willingly giving up commentating a numbered pay-per-view event that is close to his new home in favor of going out on his comedy tour. So on one hand, I, I understand to a degree on the other hand, with as much emphasis as Rogan has publicly made about how the UFC has made him the person that he is, has put him in the position that his life is in by working there and doing that for him to actively now be pushing that aside for his comedy when he could easily do both. And we've seen him do both multiple times for uh, pay-per-view events like this. I don't know man it's it feels very fucking strange to hear like get that money i get it secure that fucking bag dude but i don't know if this is the way or the time to go about doing it like that like the the, the, the only the only th- side that i'm okay with is the fact that he's a comedian that hasn't been able to do comedy for over a year. That's the only thing like I'm remotely okay with him giving his, his, his spot up for is because that's his bread and butter. That's what got him to a position to where he has a name for himself outside of fighting. He got, see, that's, that's where I get conflicted about. Yeah. Because we have seen him multiple different times now when there's a UFC pay-per-view event in another city, he just books his tour for that city, for the dates he's going to be there for the UFC event. We've seen him do it internationally before now. Like he has literally organized international tours with the UFC schedule so that he can literally tour the cities that the UFC will be in. He's done it multiple times. And now when he lives in Texas, and this would literally be just a couple hours drive or a short flight from his house, passing it up to go do just comedy now. You know, I don't think he's just... All right, let me put it this way. One, fuck him. Let him do whatever the fuck he wants. He's a grown-ass man. Yeah. Am I going to miss having him commentating? Yes, because to be quite honest, he's my favorite commentator out of all of them, period. But the other side of that... Do whatever makes you happy. If comedy is what makes you happy, and he's also going to make a lot of other people happy while he's doing comedy, more power to you. The other question I have is, how long has this been booked for? Was this booked prior to this? Or is it possible that he looked at the card and went, this is absolute trash. Why the fuck would I waste my goddamn time with this when I can go make money doing something I'm going to have way more fun at than um, a half-hearted fucking well we don't really have a main event so let's come up with an interim title just because we're pissed off at Francis for not wanting to do what we want him to do because to be quite honest that's how I look at this card this was a oh fuck what are we gonna do card um we don't have a fucking 
title fight on it. Uh, make an interim title because there should have been a title fight, but Francis didn't want to partake. So we're going to fuck him. And Joe Rogan may have possibly said to himself, hey, I don't want any part of this shenaniganry. I'm going to go create my own shenanigans elsewhere. Or the other thought I had is, I don't know how long this has been booked for. He may have had this book months and months and months ago when everything started to open up and we just didn't know about it till now. And so he had to make the decision, do I cancel my booking that I've already had to do this or do I go and um, talk about a card? I'll call it a card, a fight card. Not a great yeah, fight card. It is a, it is a card. It is absolutely a card. Oh, That's an accurate I description. I guarantee you if this card was a little more interesting, we wouldn't be having this conversation. But being I, as I it is the card that, that we have, it, it's, it, it is what it is. I got a bit of that suspicion as well. I I agree. I think you're onto something there. I kind of had that feeling a little bit as well. But if this card was actually even just what it was supposed to be two weeks ago, if we still had an interim and a title on this, on this card, we might still have Rogan. Well, and the funny thing was the interim was still going to be the main event, even though there was an actual title on the line at the time. Right. right. So I'll, I'll call it as I see it and say, you know what? There's some fucking shenaniganry afoot here. And I think he he opted out after the shit storm that this was. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm glad they didn't cancel the card because it gives us something to watch this weekend. Right. However, Absolutely. on the other side of it, I've seen them scrap better cards. For worse reasons. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying. It's yeah, no, I agree. I agree. To be quite honest, this shouldn't even be a paid preview. This should be a fucking oh, I, fight I, night. I, I, I think you're 100% on the fucking head there. I think this should have been a fight night fucking card. This shouldn't be a pay-per-view. And the real ironic bit is that this is still a pay-per-view card that you have to pay for, while this week they announced that UFC 267 is going to be a free pay-per-view event. They're going to give that one away. They're going to give away an Abu Dhabi pay-per-view card, but make people pay for this shit. <laughs> so, you know, because UFC, that's, that's how that works out. You know, it, you would figure they would go, you know what? Actually, we'll give you this one for free and we'll make you pay for the next and one. Make you pay for the Abu Dhabi cards. Exactly. You know, and to be quite honest, the Abu Dhabi card is pretty fucking solid already. Stacking that fucking card heavy, too. Yeah, that's the ironic bit. They're stacking the card. They're giving away for free. Meanwhile, they have a card this weekend that they literally are making pay, people pay, what, $60, $65 for? And it's a garbage card. <laughs> Like, to be honest, they need to do, like, a 50% price cut. Something, yeah. Like, oh, you've got ESPN Plus? Cool, you can have this pay-per-view for free. Yeah. You yeah. know? Something like that. But, uh, anyway, a couple more announcements I want to get to real quick here. Um, the first one, the October 16th UFC card has a very interesting fight that just got announced to it this week. Jordan Wright stepping back in against the Cuban Missile Crisis himself, Julian Marquez getting back in. I'm very excited to see that take place because I think that is a very advantageous matchup for Marquez. Um, Wright's not necessarily a full-on soup can, but I don't think he's on the Marquez level at this point either. So it'd be interesting to see that one shake loose. Uh, definitely on Team Marquez for that one, though. Um, we also got the announcement that on October 16th, another UFC Bellator head-to-head -head evening taking place like we had a couple weeks ago. Um, this time, Bellator will be having their 
uh, excuse me, the light heavyweight Grand Prix as opposed to the featherweight Grand Prix that we had competing against the UFC. And Bellator is not fucking around with this card. Uh, the Bellator light heavyweight Grand Prix op- opens, excuse me, October 16th with Vadim Nemkov versus Anthony Rumble Johnson and Ryan Bader versus Corey Anderson. For fuck's sake, are you kidding me? Those are both headline pay-per-view caliber fucking fights. You're getting both of them on a fucking card for pay-per-view or for uh, for Bellator rather for the fucking opening round of the Grand Prix. Jesus titty fucking Christ. That card is going to be stacked. That UFC, I'm telling you right now, they better stack some more fights on top with the fucking Cuban Missile Crisis because that's going to be a great match. But the two that we've got for Bellator right there, man, it's going to be hard to pay attention to both cards if they're legitimately on at the same fucking time. Guys better fucking be ready to split screen. That's all I can say, man. It's <laughs> <Shit>, man. <laughs> so the eyes pointing both directions. Right. Which way did he go? Um, we got... Um, an even more interesting announcement after that, in my opinion here, um, the week after October 16th card, the October 23rd weekend, Bellator officially goes to Moscow. The Bellator Moscow card will be headlined by Minikov versus Tyrell Fortune in the co-main event and Fedor Emelianenko versus Tim Johnson as the main event. I didn't know Fedor still fought. Fedor is on his three-fight retirement tour, this being two of three fights. Uh, He refused to announce who the opponents were going to be until the event was announced, just that he was fighting. Uh, We just found out that apparently one of the last three people, Fedor Emelianenko, will ever fight in his career will be Tim Johnson. That's a that's an interesting fight. They definitely didn't throw him an easy fucking fight. That's for sure. Same. They they didn't throw him a top guy by any stretch of the imagination, but they didn't throw him a full can either. So it's going to be a little weird to see how that plays out, especially if Fedor gets his ass beat in Moscow on his retirement tour. Does he come in with a? My question on that fight is. Does Tim Johnson come in with big poofy stash or not? My question is, are they going to provide armed security for Tim Johnson before that fucking fight? That shit's in Moscow. You think they're going to just let Fedor lose? I was just about to say. Might have visit from friend, if you know what I say. Putin, come. All, all he's got to do <laughs> is there's a certain comedian he could call and he'll be just fine. That's all I'm saying. I mean, I don't know if the machines even got that much pull. I don't know. I bet you the machines got quite a bit of pull there. <laughs> uh, you never know. Igor, might, might be Igor worth a phone call real quick. Yeah, it might be worth to have old Brent Crystals give himself fucking uh, pep talk and get a little rusky phone call going on and see what you can pull through. <laughs> <laughs> now, oh. like, you know, you, you know, if Fedor loses... He's instantly walking to the locker room. Putin, make him disappear. Do that. Yeah, Tim me. Johnson might not make it home. Do that for me. Make Moscow. plane disappear. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, or the plane might not make it home from Moscow. Yeah, be make fucking weird, Tim Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
No, that's that whole fucking card is very, very strange, and I'm I'm very interested to see how that whole situation is gonna unfold. Um, we did get announced, ironically enough, back to back weekends, as it were. Uh, Bellator and UFC. We both got a October 16th card. We both got an October 23rd card. The UFC's October 23rd card this week got added to it Jessica Rose Clark and Jocelyn Edwards, which I think is going to be a pretty fucking spectacular ladies fight. And the new main event for the October 23rd card, Marvin Vittori versus Paulo Costa. Assuming more of the meatheads. I'm telling you, assuming Paulo doesn't get into the wine the night before, this could be a fucking meathead battle for the ages for sure. Yeah, that fight's not going to be good, but it's going to be fun. <laughs> That's how I look at that one. <laughs> we get wine drunk and hey, you guys. Right? No shit. Italian sloth. <laughs> Oh, but then we also got a slew of announcements here for UFC 267 on October 30th in Abu Dhabi. Um, we got Rafael Dos Anjos versus Islam Makachev, and then Alexander Volkov versus Marcin Tybura, both added to that card this week. Uh, more to come, Dana White says. They're working on finalizing a couple things because it's going to be in Abu Dhabi, so they're working on preemptive visa issues i'm assuming the uh, but then we also got a pair of kind of strange announcements here um we first got the announcement that um ufc 268 uh november 6th would be added to it justin gaethje versus michael chandler at msg which everyone was like oh shit that's about to be a fucking battle then we found out that as of September 13th, New York State will be requiring proof of vaccination for all indoor activities, including restaurants, bars, and entertainment venues, such as Madison Square Garden, for a giant fucking fight. So in order to get in to see MSG, you will have to be vaccinated. Michael Chandler flat out came out and said that he refuses to get vaccinated. So unless they move the fight to Madison Square or from Madison Square Garden somewhere outside of New York, or they get an exemption for the fighters, there's no way that that fight can take place now, which was immediately followed by Dana White releasing a statement saying that he will never mandate his fighters to get vaccinated to be able to fight anywhere so that we now have a full situation with UFC 268 where it will most likely have to be moved and we might not see another UFC event in Madison Square Garden anytime soon. Nope, that'll next that. Oh, and there's, I don't know if you caught it. I just want to skip back just a little bit. For UFC 267, backup fighter for Blahovich Teixeira, it's going to be Yuri Prohachka. Yeah, I saw that. I it's a, it's a noteworthy thing. He's been on a fucking tear, and it's a good spot for him to be the backup. It is, but this is probably one of the only title fights where I would actually probably be better personally if they didn't have a backup for it, just because we all know this is Glover's last shot. If he's, if something happens between now and that fight, it doesn't matter who the backup is. No one's watching this fight 
for Jan. This is Glover's literal last chance at gold. Yep. If he doesn't make it to that fight, it doesn't really make any difference who they put in to replace him. This is the Glover show. This is literally his last run, his last grasp at the, you know, the golden carrot. Yeah, and what do you think chances are if Blahovich somehow randomly gets injured that he turns the fight down with Yuri because he wants the shot at gold as his last shot? I wouldn't be mad at it at all. No. I wouldn't be mad at that at all, man. That's what I'm saying. Like, this is Glover's moment more than it is a chance for Jan to defend the belt, in my opinion. Just, just wanted to put that out there because I thought that was an interesting tidbit with how that could play out should something happen. Yeah, but it, and the way that we've seen fights literally over the last couple of weeks just falling out day of even, stranger things have happened, man. Stranger things have happened, absolutely. So it's one of those weird things. You kind of got to just fucking play it by ear at this point. It's kind of rough getting excited for fights at this point considering that literally they could fall out day of for any number of fucking reasons we'll see uh i'm still fucking team glover i love yawn but i'm still team glover i think this is his last shot and i really want to see him get that shit so i, I gotta pull for glover myself even though i think john's gonna win it i gotta pull for glover because to be quite honest i want to see him get gold he's been around this game so goddamn long he fucking deserves it especially the tear that he's been on yeah that's what i'm saying and we all know that if he don't get it now UFC's not going to keep him around and let him earn his way back to another title shot. This is if if Glover gets his ass handed to him by Jan, even if he doesn't retire after that, Dane is most likely going to fucking let him go. Like he ain't getting any fucking younger. So I'm just we'll see though. That's yeah. I'm just glad to see that they're that they're actually following through and letting Glover get his shot because time and time again. People that deserve their shot just get put to the wayside because they're not they're not what we want right now. Yep, I agree. I think that's why I'm most excited about it. Like I love fucking Yon and I absolutely think he's gonna win, but I gotta be team fucking Glover on this until that fucking fight ends. But a couple more quick uh, quick news updates here before we get into the fun. Um, we got an announcement. I'll say a pair of announcements here because both of these kind of qualify for this subset. Uh, A pair of announcements I did not think I was ever going to see. Um, The first one that we got was that randomly, for no reason, at the behest of no one, the UFC December 11th card got a very surprising matchup added to it yesterday that literally made me go back and do a cartoon rub my eyes and double take and make sure I was reading correctly what I saw and yes indeed I was to the fucking much to the chagrin of myself um Kaya Kara France will be stepping back into the octagon to take on newcomer to the 125 pound division Cody Garbrandt Pedro Munoz literally hit him so hard, he knocked him out of the bantamweight division. Cody's going all the way down to 25 now. With the Pedro ass whooping and TJ back now, Cody just straight up said deuces to 135 and decided that he's going to make his home down in the 25s now. And honestly, if he can make the weight, he will be fucking huge 
for 125. He was good, good sized as a bantamweight. He was relatively the same size as everyone that he lost to. If he can make that fucking cut down to 25 healthily without TJ in it up, Cody could legitimately be a serious problem at 25 as long as he can keep his fucking hands in front of his chin. All right. Now, can we make a stipulation that if he loses two fights in 25, you cut him from the contract? I I think that should be. At this point, he's because... on a fucking skid streak to begin with. If he goes to a new division and loses two more in a row, I would think that might be the last we see of him in the UFC. Because he... Yeah, he has had a couple questionable losses with people that were on questionable substances. Let that be where it is. You still have you still have a fuckload of L's currently. Yeah, aside from that, yeah. And you are no way, shape, or form coming back. You're still doing the same exact shit. If you go to another weight class and continue to eat L's for fucking dinner every day, you deserve to be fucking cut. You're a good fighter, but clearly you're doing something wrong. Go to the fucking PFL or something. Get your shit together. And maybe in a year or two, come back come back and see if you can be all together like you were whenever you first came into the UFC. So, you know, I wouldn't be mad at them letting him go if that does happen. However, if he's able to make weight in a healthy fashion he's going to knock a lot of 125ers out because he's a lot stronger than they fucking are by a long shot. And he's still fucking fast. Yes, he is. He's fucking quick. And you know what? If he ends up losing two and they caught him, whatever. I would love to see him get fucking over to BKFC because he's got fucking hands, dude. And there's a lot of those fighters in that fucking between 125 and 145 over there that do not have the hands like he does. He could be a dominant fucking champion over there. I mean, I mean, Garbrandt has hands for fucking days, but his, his only problem is he can hit you as hard as he fucking can, and he can dip, dodge, and duck, but whenever you get him in a phone booth and you get up close, his hands are on, him, are on his fucking chest, so BKFC might still be the same exact thing that the UFC is. <laughs> His, his, his hands just stay. <laughs> well, there's less that he has to worry about, though. Yeah, there's less that he's thinking about because now he's only thinking about hands. He's not thinking about kicks and takedowns and everything else. Yeah, that is true. That's that's where I think that that hands and head movement comes into play because that's straight boxing stuff. I mean, he is more of a boxer when you look at say, him. As that's a his back, yeah, that's his background. That's where his uncle started teaching him at what seven or eight or whatever the fuck it was when he was a little kid. His his golden gloves uncle legitimately started teaching him boxing as a little kid. So with that being his actual background, that actually might probably be a better better choice for him, really. Okay, um, I wouldn't be mad at it. And granted seeing him go to 125, that's a little fucking weird. But hey, you know that's what I'm saying. Like if he if he can make that weight legitimately healthy he'll be big for 125 and he'll have the power to really fuck up some of them top dudes on the other hand though if he goes to 125 and he gets folded like a fucking lawn chair like pedro just did to him nah send send him on down the fucking road man at this point ain't nobody want to see him just keep around to get beat up we got plenty of guys on the roster that can do that yep um but Speaking of fucking crazy signovers to the BKFC, 
uh, we got news this week that Chad fucking Mendez got himself a multi-fight contract, not just uh, make an appearance, a multi-fight contract with the UFC. Not only has Chad Mendez been retired for a couple of years now, Chad Mendez, spoiler alert, folks, was a fucking wrestler. He was never known for his hands. And the last time Chad Mendez was relevant was when Conor McGregor slung his face across the other side of his goddamn skull in the octagon on short notice. Uh, Chad Mendez was kind of like, uh, I guess you could say, comparable to a boy Paige Van Zandt in the UFC and that he was very much known more for his looks than his striking and still somehow got himself a fucking BKFC contract. You know why that is? It's because of that nickname, Chad Money Mendez. Money Mendez, yeah, chasing that bag, son. Dude, look, he he was legitimately a decent MMA fighter for a while. Yeah, he wasn't terrible. Not by any stretch of imagination. He he did peak, and his peak fell off. Uh, His peak was about that time when Connor was on his way up, and when Connor got that double champ status there. That's fucking the end of him. And all you saw was shit, 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 and then I'm done with the UFC. Okay. Yep. Look, I guess BKFC is a spot for you. You got a multi-fight deal. At least you're still being able to pay your bills, man. You do you. Clearly, David Feldman got no problem slinging the fucking checkbook around. So get that money, son. No. Did... Any of you guys catching the news what kind of fucking shit was doled out as far as fines for their fucking fight there? I have not seen it yet. I've been watching. I've been waiting to see. I say I haven't seen anything either. I figured shit show police involved there is going to be some sort of fine from the athletic commission. The only the only statement that I have seen about it so far was that um David Feldman whew, David Feldman said that uh that's what happens when you don't have enough security around a rapper in a ring and that will never happen at another BKFC event. They will never be shy on security again. So if nothing else, it seems to have been somewhat of a learning event because they're already planning another event. Uh, BKFC 20 is, is or 21 now, I guess it is, uh, is, is set for the end of this month. So we'll see. As long as they don't have boxing gloves on, I don't give a flying fuck what they do. Well, and if, they actually get to pull us off. This is the card where we get to see Alan Belcher make his fucking appearance. And that motherfucker looks like he is on all of the goddamn supplements right now. That dude's kind of fucking terrifying looking. And he said he's excited to punch someone with no gloves on. So that could be fucking scary to see. He was him a bad ladies. motherfucker back in the day, too. Yes. Yes, he was. It's going to be I interesting. Say back in the day, that was quite a while ago. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens when they take the chain off of Mongo, this fucking coming up event. <laughs> oh, man. Um, two more quick little pieces of news here. Um, one, with the unfortunate fucking confirmation of uh, the upcoming professional boxing match with Oscar De La Hoya, Vitor has been making all kinds of boastful claims trying to hype himself up and really make himself look like he's always been this big fancy boxer that just never got his moment and went so far as to say that he actually qualified for the Brazilian Olympic team in 2000 and then suffered a a knee injury in training and wasn't able to go unfortunately to which the actual Brazilian 
2000 boxing team champions came out and went, <laughs> bullshit. Uh, not only did he not qualify, but uh, he lied and trained alongside us, telling us he was training for a professional fight when literally the day before they were getting ready to fly out, he last minute surprise fought the dude who actually ended up winning and going on to compete in the Olympics. And yeah, uh, dude won <laughs> and then went to actually compete in the Olympics. So he poked holes in, in Vitor's story and called bullshit right away. So not only is Vitor back and looking sadder than ever, now Vitor is getting called on his lies because it's not the 70s anymore. You can get fact check in real time nowadays. And he was. I don't know what's more sad about that. The fact that he's going to box De La Hoya or the fact that he thought he could lie about stupid shit like that leading up to it and not get caught. It's 2021, buddy. Google's a thing. I just, I just want to understand his thought process with a legacy of absolute killers in boxing versus you, a washed up MMA fighter who hasn't really done anything in quite a notable amount of years. That doesn't look very good. No, no, it doesn't. But that'll lead us to our last piece of news for this evening. Probably the saddest thing that I have to report, maybe the saddest thing I have ever had to say on the show. It is with heavy heart. And sad mind, I must officially announce the goat has hung it up. Artem, the Russian hammer Lobov, will no longer compete in combat sports, and the world's a poorer place for it. I understand he's got a child, he's obviously got all the sponsorship and financial obligations he could ever fucking ask for to make sure he's taken care of, but. God damn, that's one motherfucker I'm genuinely going to miss watching fight other people. He might 100% legitimately be one of my favorite fighters ever to watch. No joke at all. Like 100%. There we go. Okay. Sorry, fucking OBS is freaking out. Okay. So, at this point in the show, the folks listening to the all audio version, unfortunately, do not get to see how awesome our GIF is to let you know that it is now officially time once again for the point in the evening where we pit our contestants against one another in the pit, the part of the show where we make it fun and we make it competitive to see who gets the point at the end of the night, who goes home, the winner. And as you may know, we have a returning champion this evening. Dethroned last week was one and only golf team. Do 
champ is here. In our first ever I'm No Joe triple threat match, the point for this evening will be contested between the former champion, the current champion, and the would-be champion. Ladies and gentlemen, our first triple threat pit championship. So, being as how this is our first triple threat, and the card is kind of garbage. We're going to make it a little, a little easy, I guess, because we are going to stick to some of our traditional stylings. So as it goes, for those of you who are not familiar, everyone gets the same question here. Answers will determine points. Most points at the end of the rounds wins the whole kit and caboodle. Each contestant gets one minute to answer their question. So, First question we have this evening, gentlemen. What is the most slept on fight on this UFC 265 pay-per-view card? Mr. Clown Puncher, you are the champion. You will get the first minute. So is young news. All right. Who's okay? So there's a bunch of fights, right? Let's see. I say Yadong and Kenny. Did I say the names right? Probably yep. not. Yep. Oh, I did. Nice. There's just no promotion for it. So. Let me go to my corner. Hold on a second. Okay. I got these guys. They're up here. But yeah, I'm going to go with your dong and Kenny, just because they didn't promote nothing about it. Interesting. Interesting. Good fight to pick. So, Young Gunner, you look like you're chomping his bit over there, staring down your screen, burning holes through it. Same question to you, young man. Most slept on fight on this UFC 267 card. I was actually thinking the same fucking fight between Song and Dong and Casey Kenny. I mean, mostly, mostly because I do agree it got no fucking press. But the, 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 the big fact is, so far, Song Yudong has gone through and done a fucking beautiful job showcasing his abilities, his fight IQ, and his overall fucking skills with his fucking hands and his fucking feet. He's done fucking beautiful work. And he's not getting any press. He has had a lot of unanimous decisions, but they were against rather decent fighters. His his victory over uh, uh, fucking Cheeto Vera, he got the W on that. That was a fucking hell of a fight. That went 
that went either fucking way if you really watched it because they were going just back and forth tick for tat but his overall style and everything it's it's it, he's getting slept on and he's going to be a fucking hell of a fighter in about a year from now that man's going to be a fucking force to be reckoned with interesting interesting same fights picked very interesting mr golfy question goes to you sir it's going to be a strange answer, sir, but this is one I've had in mind for a while. Karolina Kovalkiewicz and Jessica Pene. For this reason, one side, you have a possible resurging Jessica Pene, and I say possible because we don't know yet because her last fight was first fight back in a couple of years. Then you have a Karolina opposite on a four-fight fucking skid. Hasn't won since 2018 multiple just brutal injuries from the fights that she's been in in those four losses this is either going to be the show yourself to the fucking door or jessica penny is going to move up the ladder to be quite honest i think this is slept on because i think this might be carolina's last fucking fight in the ufc if she doesn't she's getting fucking walking papers you can't lose five fights in a row and stay in the ufc so i think this is slept on because nobody's talked about that nobody's talked about her four fights get and nobody said oh well Penny could possibly get another decision victory like she did in her last fight valid point valid point i actually forgot that that fight was on this fucking card until i was just looking at it right before the fucking show today too Interesting, interesting, interesting. Interesting indeed. So, after tallying the uh, the scores here, I think the point for round one is going to have to go to golf tee. Uh, that Carolina fight, I, I love that fucking absolutely nobody has talked about Casey Kenny versus Sonya Dong. I, I agree completely. They haven't promoted that fight in the least bit. Um, but I, they were at the press conference today, at least they haven't said shit about Carolina versus Penny. And I agree if, if fucking Carolina loses and I love Carolina, but if she gets her ass beat this weekend, she's done, she's gone. There's no fucking way to keep her. So yeah, I, I agree for, for making a very good point there. Round one goes to TJ. Song, you dong. (laughs) (laughs) You dong. Okay, so for round two, flip that script around. What fight on this card is the most overhyped? Which one has all the attention for no goddamn reason and it doesn't fucking deserve it whatsoever? Young Gun, we'll let you take this one first. You gotta unmute though. I might get I might get hate for this. Um, my pick is the well, one side rightfully deserves the position that they're in and to fight uh, the Michael Chiesa Vicente Luque fight, mostly because I don't think Vicente Luque kind of earns a spot to fight somebody like Michael Chiesa. I don't even understand how Vicente Luque is on top ten. 
he has had a couple good fights, but he's also had a couple really easy W's that he didn't get. And he's also fighting people that are kind of hit or miss people and people like his last fight. He fought Tyrone Woodley. Woodley is on the fucking just down. He's not, he's not even the shell of what he used to be a year ago. And before that, he had a fight with uh, Brown that was kind of a pretty much nobody shit fight. That was a gimme fight to get me to get him back up into the rankings. It and the doctor stoppage with his fight with uh, Price that wasn't much of a fucking W because it's a doctor stoppage. I don't like to say a doctor stoppage is a fucking win, but it, it's it's kind of an undeserved position that, that, that he, that he's in that I don't think he really deserved it. Kiesa absolutely deserves the position that he's in, but Vicente Luque, I don't think that he is meant to be in a fight with somebody like the, with the legs of Kiesa. Interesting. Interesting point to make there. Interesting. Mr. Galti. Next up is you, sir. Same question. Most overhyped fight on this card for no damn good reason. I'll say it outright. The fucking main event. Derek Lewis and Cyril Gone. What an absolute waste of fucking time that this fight is. Look, I'm going to say it out loud. These two should not be fighting each other right now. This should be right now, as it falls, Derek Lewis either fighting Stipe or fucking for the belt, but they don't want to give Stipe a rematch, so he should be fighting for the belt. Fortunately, we have Shitbag McGee, whose current champ doesn't want to fight on the UFC's timeline, because, you know, I've got better things to do, like go hand out food in my country. That's fucking great, but you own a title in the UFC. Your job is defending it when they tell you to. Cyril gone. Yes, you ungodly deserve to be in the main event as does Derek Lewis they're both main event caliber fighters but this fight shouldn't be happening way overhyped and for an interim title what a waste of my fucking time period interesting Galti going with the main event interesting interesting indeed well Mr. Clown Puncher that brings us back around to you sir most overhyped fight on this card, in your opinion, sir. All right. So I did a little research. I wrote it right down here in my Palm Pilot. So I think I think I'm gonna go with. Um, let's go with Taurus and Hill. I mean, neither of them go anywhere with a win. You know what I'm saying? And it just it, this is like a rematch, too. I mean, do you really want to see it? I think nobody wants to see this fight anyway. So, I mean, there was... I had a little more, but it smudged. See? <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to go with Taurus and Hill. Final answer. Interesting. Interesting indeed. I forgot I'm that. I'm answers. <laughs> good answers all the way around here good answers all the way around except for rj because i like vicente luque and after beating the shit out of tyron woodley i think he deserves somebody like kiesa 
Uh, I can understand why you'd say that, though, because you're a hater, though. But, you know, I get it. I get it. Um, interesting points. Tallying up, carrying the one and the two here. Um, the point for round two, we're going to have to give to the clown puncher. Uh, I agree. I don't understand why the fuck Tisha Torres and Angela Hill is being hyped as a rematch that anyone gives two flying fucks about or why they had him on the fucking press conference today. It's, it wasn't that great of a fight to begin with. Honestly, it doesn't amp up to be too great of a fight this time around. So, you know, I mean, we'll see come Saturday, but as of right now, I agree. That's my overhyped fight of the card as well. So clown puncher gets round two. I'm blown away because I didn't even know there was hype behind that. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, so as we generally tend to do around this time, this will bring us to the point where I need to know, gentlemen, how do you see the co-main playing out? Who takes the co-main event and how? Golf team, this one is yours first, sir. Got to unmute. Still got to unmute. Son of a bitch. Didn't realize I was on mute. I'm over here just to fucking go into town. <laughs> oh, that made for an interesting start. Um, all right. Well, let's try this fucking again. Munoz and fucking Aldo. Look, um, I'll say it this way. Um. I'm pretty sure, without a shadow of a doubt, Jose Aldo gets this done. And I think there's a very strong chance that he could finish Pedro Munoz. Pedro Munoz has lost two of his last three. One to a Frankie Edgar, who is on the back nine of his fucking career. And I love Frankie Edgar, but he is definitely on the back nine. Munoz is not as dangerous as everyone thinks he is. And we've seen the turnaround that has happened with Jose now that he's dropped the weight class and is cutting in a safe manner. He's a much more dangerous fucking man now because of that. I think Jose takes it. And I think he gets it done no later than the third round. Interesting. Interesting indeed. Well, Mr. Clown Puncher, that will bring it back around to you, sir. Co-main event. How do you see it going? What is it again? It's, it's Pedro and Jose, right? Yep. Hmm. I mean, like my good friend, Mr. Golf T. Vapes on there said, Pedro did lose his last couple fights, but, I mean, he's due for one. I think, I think he's going to put the hurting on Jose. He's just going to drop bombs and bombs. It's his time to shine. Unless there's some miracle. You know, Mr. Jose gets in there, but I'm going to go with Pedro. Vote for Pedro. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting indeed. Going for Pedro. One for Pedro, one for Jose. So that brings us back around. Young Gunner, how you see this uh, co-main event playing out Saturday night, sir? I'm uh I'm on team TJ over here. Uh I absolutely see uh Jose Aldo fucking taking this. Seeing him 
how much more alive he is after he is dropped down a, a, a weight class and got his weight cut just managed. He he is way more alive than what he was uh, prior to, and he's he he he's he's gonna carry still so much more fucking power in because he because he fought at a complete other fucking weight class. And his skill set is still the same. His skill set far exceeds what Munoz's uh, skill set is at, or really has ever been at. Between between Jose's ability to to take him to the ground and beat the fuck out of him on the ground, and his, his how good he is on his feet. Between defending, throwing hands, and just his fluidity with with with, with his uh, with his movement. There's no no fucking question that Jose Aldo is taking a W against fucking Munoz. Interesting. Interesting point here. So, calculation is tabulated. Carry three. Um, I gotta say, I... I think Pedro takes this. I, I think Jose looks great. I think he's definitely got his cut managed better. But I just think – I think Pedro's got too much to offer him. I think Jose's just a little too road-worn at this point. But I think RJ did give a damn good breakdown. He did give a little more reason in this particular situation here. So, point for round three goes to the young stunner, young gunner, RJ himself, on the board. So that'll bring us, as you may have guessed, boys and girls, we got to talk about the main event now. Good, bad, or otherwise, like it or not, we've got a main event and we got to talk about it. So, Derek Lewis and Cyril Gaon step into this octagon Saturday night. One of them steps out as the interim heavyweight champion of the UFC. RJ, who gets it done and how? Oh, we talked about this uh, before. Was it last week, or I think it was me and you on Saturday? Yes, yeah, um, I, I, I believe this is going to be a situation to where Cyril Gan is going to try to dip in, dip out, like he has in numerous previous uh, fights. Uh, but I think with the how quick and accurate. Derek Lewis has gotten hit, has gotten hit his hands, and we have seen it with him in the Curtis Blades fight, with just that one uppercut that just ended it. Uh, I think Derek Lewis is going to come back and do a little one shot walk off knockout like he has numerous times before. Cyril Gon is very is very quick, very slick, and very very intelligent with the way he fights. But Derek Lewis only needs one shot. And if Derek Lewis gets one shot, that's game over. So I think it's going to be Lewis. I'm going to say end of the second going into the going into the third. Interesting. Interesting indeed. Mr. Clown Puncher. Main event Saturday night. How do you see this one going down? Who takes it now? 
All right, so either Derek Lewis gets that lucky shot and clips him or he gets whooped, you know, by just a better like a like a well-rounded guy, you know what I'm saying? But I'm going to go with my balls is hot. That's all I'm going to say. Because that explains a lot right there. And you work harder when them balls is hot. (laughs) (laughs) Good times. Good times. All right. Well, then, Mr. Golf Tee, same question to you, sir. Main event Saturday night, Derek Lewis, Cyril gone. One of them walks out, the interim heavyweight champion of the UFC. Who gets it done and how? All right. Um, we know what Derek Lewis is going to do without a shadow of a fucking doubt. He's looking for that one hitter, quitter, or at least enough to put him down where he can put lay two or three more on until the ref pulls him off. Cyril's a lot more fucking dangerous when it comes to hands. How And he is not a fucking wrestler. He is a stand-up fighter. So we have to take out of the equation those facts of, um, oh, I can catch him with a good counter to a fucking goddamn takedown coming in. Oh, However, if he's smart, that would be the game he plays because Derek's not going to be looking for that. But he's not going to do that because he is a very good stand-up practitioner. Um, the only way that Derek wins this is if he can somehow manage to counter Cyril's fucking eight limbs. And I say eight limbs because it's going to look like a Muay Thai fest in there. And I see Cyril getting it done. I think he knocks out Derek Lewis. I say late second, early third round after Derek has kind of gassed himself. We know he can go five, but there's a certain point where he has some really big diminishing returns as far as his gas tank. So I think Cyril gets it done, finishes him probably more than likely in the third round, but there's still that one punch power ability. So Cyril gets sloppy. That'll be the end of him. Very interesting. Very interesting. Valid points. Valid points indeed. Oh, let's see. Carry the one, stretch the three, touch your mom's booty. All right. So after careful tabulation and much consideration, uh, valid points all the way around, I have to say, uh, Derek Lewis absolutely has that fucking one shot power, but I, I agree. I think, uh, I think Cyril's a little more well-rounded. I think he's got a little more to offer than Derek's anticipating here. I think Derek's in decent shape, but I still don't think he's taking it nearly as serious as he needs to be. So I think I think Cyril takes it here. I think Cyril gets the, the W. Um, I, I think TJ makes the point here. Round four goes to TJ. 2-1, going into five. So the big question we've got here for round five, the potential – Winner take all round here. We talked about it a little bit earlier. It's a strange situation, but it's a situation we find ourselves in nonetheless. We are now on the verge of potentially having a Joe Rogan free future in the UFC that will undeniably leave a gigantic hole in that broadcast booth. So if the UFC has to replace Joe Rogan, who can they bring in that will fill that monstrous fucking crater 
that Rogan will leave if he officially doesn't do UFC broadcasts anymore. RJ, we're going to let you go first on this one. Oh, the first person that comes to mind is already a commentator, but he's more on the, uh, the, like, I, I guess it'd be the post fight stuff. I'd say Paul Felder. He's, he has a fucking beautiful knowledge of UFC and MMA in general, and he could give similar, similar info on things kind of like joe rogan does because joe rogan is is very deep in in mixed martial arts itself and really i think it's they really need somebody that has a broader iq than dc uh to be up there on the commentary booth i i honestly think paul felder would be a decent a decent uh replacement uh, if uh, uh, my Lord and Savior Joe Rogan does leave that broadcast table uh, indefinitely, uh, I think Paul Felder would be good, a good replacement. Interesting. Very, very good point. Very good point. Specials, technicals. Have you ever tried DMT, bro? <laughs> uh, so, same question to you, Mr. Golf T. Uh, should the unlikely event happen that we find ourselves with a UFC devoid of Joe Rogan, who could they possibly bring in to fill that void and give us a, a nice rounded out broadcast booth without the Rogan man himself? I'm going to go with one that we don't see cage side ever, but I think has the right fucking qualities to step in and do it. That's going to be a one Anthony Lionheart Smith. You look at him when he is talking, when he's doing like pre-fight commentary and stuff like that. He has a very eloquent way with words. He has a great fight IQ, so he knows exactly what's going on with there. I think he would melt great if you brought him in with the likes of like Paul Felder and possibly even like a Dominic Cruz, even though Dominic Cruz talks out of his ass sometimes, but he's still fairly decent but i would say anthony lionheart smith when you listen to him talk it's very eloquent and there's fucking a lot of knowledge behind what he's talking about so i'm gonna go out on a on a wide range for somebody who hasn't been on the fight floor like fucking some of those other fighters have but i think he would be the hot ticket in there interesting interesting i didn't think about lionheart but he might actually just work out as well interesting Okay, so, Mr. Clown Puncher, that brings it back around to you. Should we find ourselves in a situation where the Rogan UFC ship has sailed on and we have to replace the iconic voice? Who can we put in that situation to fill that void? All right. I don't know a lot of their names, but I mean, he's an easy on the eye, guys. All right, easy on the eye kind of guy. I mean, he's a very smart guy. I'll talk about the myth, the man, the legend, the master blaster, meter himself. Explains so much to me on this stuff that I am learning about. 
and he makes it in layman terms because you know I dropped out of school I went to clown punching school so they didn't teach you that much stuff there oh that was his butt don't look at that <laughs> but yeah that's who I'm going with the master blaster Interesting, interesting. Very, very sensible answer here. Uh, bonus points for the Pikachu, Pikachu Picabro over there. Lucha dude, Pika. dude, you know who I should have fucking said? I just thought about it. Fucking Joey Diaz. <laughs> that would have been fucking great. Oh, look at this cocksucker. You missed your moment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fuck. I just thought of that. Oh, man. Oh, that's definitely a woulda, shoulda, coulda for sure. Um, Irish Dragon is definitely a fucking good answer. I did not think about Lionheart. That would be a very, very interesting choice to pick up as well. And, uh, I mean, Clown Punchers obviously got a great fucking answer there. Um, that's probably the smartest one. So uh, I, I think in this situation, uh, we're going to have to give the point for round five to the clown puncher here, which is going to bring us to a sudden death overtime with a tie between golf tee and the clown puncher, which means we have to have a winner take all question to decide who is the champion of the pit. So randomly thought of question right now to keep it even for both of you. I'm writing down a number on a piece of paper right now. I have written down a number. It is out of my hands. TJ, what number did I pick? Excuse me? What number did I just pick and write down on a piece of paper? Well, in this case, I'm going to have to go with um, what's this week's event? 265. Sure, yes. Clown Puncher, what number did I pick? All right. We're an adult show here, right? I mean, obviously, you know. Absolutely. I'm going to go with what we got over here. Got put on the, the Cheech and Chong bandana and go with the most famous number in the world, 420. All right. Oh. <laughs> I had a six in mind. We're good. <laughs> I legitimately wrote down a six and put my hands up so you can see that this is not doctored. This is not rigged in any way, shape, or form. They both had equal opportunities. I did not let them know what numbers I chose between. Therefore, the winner and now returning champion, Golf Tee Babes. Well done, sir. Hard-fought battle. Uh, thank you all for taking part in our first triple threat match in the pit. That, ladies and gentlemen, 
is all we've got for this particular episode. So before we get out of here, I just want to thank these gentlemen for taking part in the shit, talk, shit talking and shenanigans that is the I'm No Joe podcast and the excellent time that is the pit. Young Ooh. Gunner, Stunner, RJ, if folks need to get a hold of you after the show and they want to learn about that glorious regiment of yours, how can they do so, sir? Oh, you can find me over there at RJ MMA official on Instagram. Hit me up over there. Um, come talk some shit. Uh, and I'm going to say it for you. Uh, you can come make fun of what I want to be a beard, but it just isn't. So there you go. We appreciate you taking the initiative, sir. So that being said, Mr. Clown Puncher, if folks would like to learn a little bit more about punching clowns after the show, how can they find you afterwards, sir? Uh, you'll find me in the comments. But we got to go again. It's one and one now. It's true. It's one and one. Mask versus beard. <laughs> Hell yeah. Thank you very much for your time, Mr. Clown Puncher. We appreciate you. Always a pleasure. And that being said, the man, the myth, the legend, the now former and then returned champion the first man in i'm no joe history to lose and then regain the championship history in the making this evening folks you watched it here live mr galti vapes if people would like to know how to bathe in your glory after this magnificent show and magnificent showing how can they get a hold of you after the show sir well to start with this is for you Dylan. little speech I don't play into fuckery. By fuckery, I mean bullshit, made up, half-hearted fucking clowns coming in here thinking they're going to hold on to something that they get because there's a couple of clown questions in last week's show. All fuckery aside, you're one in one shit. Come on, sunshine, and take that mask off and shove it up your ass. Uh, two, if you want to come and fucking find me, Wednesday nights, 9.30 Central Time, right here on the YouTubes. And, of course, here fucking every goddamn Thursday that I can possibly be. Come hell or high water, I'm usually here. Yeah, that, that one little one you've got there, that one loss. When you get to three and one or better like me, then you can talk. Till then, you do this. Oh, that's glorious. I absolutely love the show. That being said, we are going to call it all for this particular episode of the I'm No Joe podcast. If you guys are watching this live, oh my God, did you get to see all the fun in person here? If you are watching it live, though, you also should know that the I'm No Joe podcast is available in the all audio format for your listening and non-viewing pleasure. Anchor.fm slash I'm No Joe to get it through your podcast consumption platform of choice. If you are listening to us, though, over through your podcast selection of choice, you should also know we do this in video form live. You could have seen these shenanigans taking place pretty much every Thursday night, 930-ish Central Time here on the YouTube I'm No Joe channel. If you like what we do, we're on pretty much every social media platform, Instagram, Facebook, you name it. We are there. If you enjoy what we do, patreon.com slash I'm no Joe to support 
gives you access to the behind the scenes shit, the unaired footage, and frankly, unairable footage. And if you've seen these shows, you can only guess what we've got over there. But that being said, we're going to call that all for this particular episode. So thank you for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. We're going to call that all for now. Remember, don't let ignorance stop you. You can root for anything. Unless you think the rubber guard match is coming right back. Good job.